Welcome to the 53rd episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions, a deep dive into every NBA playoff series, we'll rank the remaining NBA teams heading into the conference finals, and we'll have another installment of random, assorted, important news. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com, and we will start in the NBA and a look at those uh, three of those conference semifinals playoff games that Patrick predicted. First game six of the 76ers Hawks series, 76ers won 104-99, with Patrick correctly picking the 76ers in that game. In game six of the Jazz Clippers series, the Clippers came back to win 131-119, with Patrick correctly picking the Clippers. And in Game 7 of the Bucks nets the Bucks won 115-111 in overtime. Patrick incorrectly picked the Nets in that game, so Patrick went 2-1 in his NBA predictions, with one of them a loss in an overtime game. Let's move to Major League Baseball, where the Yankees took 2-3 of three from the A's. Patrick correctly picked the Yankees to win that series this weekend. The Royals took 2-3, of three surprisingly, from the Red Sox. Patrick incorrectly picked the Red Sox. The Giants took 2-3 of three from the Phillies. Patrick picking with his heart, incorrectly picked the Phillies. And never blame him for picking against the Giants as a Dodger fan. And the Twins swept the Rangers with Patrick correctly picking the Twins. So Patrick went 2-2 two two in Major League Baseball predictions, bringing him to 4-3 and three overall in this weekend's predictions, which results in a 139-99 and 99 overall winning percentage. That's a 584 winning percentage in his picks this year. Patrick, your thoughts on your predictions? Well, I will once again skip over analyzing the NBA picks as we're going to talk about that later when we actually talk about the NBA and go into all these games in depth. Uh, but I will go into the MLB games in depth here. So, look, I, I, I was a little bit picking with my heart in the giants Phillies series, a little bit picking because I know that to go 4-0, which is what I was aiming uh, towards because all these series were pretty easy this week, um, I wanted one of the, one of the games is not, one of the series is not going to go how you think it's going to go. So I gambled thinking that the Giants series might be the one since the Phillies are a pretty good team, uh, but instead it came back to bite me because not only was that not the one, uh, but it wasn't that none of the series went uh, the opposite way. But actually, the Royals series went the opposite way. So if I had gambled on the Royals, would have gone 4-0 this week. But I picked my gamble wrong. Uh, so in the end, end up 2-2. Two two. Went with the quote-unquote safe pick with the Red Sox, but not the safe pick with the Giants. And I guess I should have just picked safe for all of them because then it would have been 3-1 regardless. But well, what you should have done different... is gone with the really safe one and picked the Dodgers over the Diamondbacks. Well, that was going to be a little too unfair. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to point shave my record down, okay? Uh, I don't need it to be that. I don't need it to be that good. I think the Twins Rangers was quite enough. Although actually, if you look at records, yeah, really. those teams are close to each other, a lot closer than the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are to each other. Uh, but yeah, also every single series, I swear, this weekend was either four games. Uh, starting on Thursday, or four games starting on Friday, uh, which meant that, A, if I was picking a series order, I'd be picking with one game already having been finished, and B, it'd be a four-game series. That's not, doesn't make any sense to pick. Uh, and then there were also two series that had makeup games in the middle of them that were originally supposed to be three games, but turned out to be four-game series because of makeup games. I think it was the Braves and the Cardinals. Actually, no, they had a game that, they had two games today instead, but anyway, uh, the Mets series did that, but I didn't really have a lot to pick from this weekend. Um, and believe it or not, the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks were actually the backup to Twins-Rangers if that series was four games because that is just 
That's how many series this weekend were four games, two games, uh, weird stuff. Anyway, I don't know how the schedule ended up like that, but I guess the MLB doesn't want me making predictions. Uh, so, too bad for that. But, uh, yeah, the Yankees actually kind of surprisingly took two or three from the A's, although I did pick that, but that was another one that was kind of a risky pick, but I figured, why not go for it? I mean, I was picking such safe picks before, and it still, and it was getting me two and two, three and one, so why not go out on a limb for, for a few of the picks, and pretty much the same result, so guess I'm just going to go back to picking safe. <laughs> um... And then, yeah, the Royals taking two out of three from the Red Sox is surprising, but the Red Sox don't care because they're still in the division lead because the Rays have lost six games in a row. Uh, and the Giants took two or three from the Phillies, but their pitching wasn't too great throughout the series, although, I mean, especially in the game where they gave up 13, but their offense was pretty good throughout it, so they won't care about that. And then, yeah, the Twins swept the Rangers, but look, there's not much you should be expecting out of the Rangers. But yeah, overall, that's what I thought about my predictions. Uh, and then in the NBA, without without going into the details of the game, I will say, going into the weekend, I thought if I was going to go one and two, uh, I was going to get the Bucks Nets game right and get the other two games wrong. So it's pretty ironic that that was actually the only game that I got wrong this weekend. But that's just a personal comment. And, and we'll, we'll talk more about those NBA games. But it it was looking like you were going to get your second pick wrong, and then that turned out to be a win. So that, and it honestly looked for a little bit like I was going to get my my first pick wrong too. And it looked like I was going to get my third pick right. All right, well we're going <laughs> we're going to get to that in one second after we remind everybody the Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website on Thursday. Now let's take a look at the NBA playoffs starting with the Eastern Conference semifinals. After that we'll move to the conference semis in the West and game 1 of the conference finals in the West. Patrick, let's start in the East. Yep, in the East we had we had four games, actually, where in between our last two podcasts where Atlanta won three of those four games. I had stated that I thought, uh, regardless of how many games it was in, Philadelphia was going to win the series after what I had seen in Game 2 and Game 3. And honestly, even after Game 4, I still felt that. And definitely, when Philadelphia had their huge, huge lead in Game 5, I felt really good about saying that. And even all the way, uh, even all the way last night, um, when Philly still had, when Philly still, when Philly was uh, keeping that game close, uh, and Trey Young was about one for fourteen from the from the floor, I still thought I was going to be right about that. But in the end, when you blow a lead that big, which uh, I mean, look, Philly, Philly just, I, I don't think we even need to. 26 it, point it, lead. Yes, 26 point at lead. home, game At-home, five. Yes, mm-hmm. um, it was. Uh, it's there's so many things to talk about about how they lost that game and why, but uh, I, I think really the biggest thing is just how many turnovers they had, uh, pretty much in all of the games. Uh, but they had 16 turnovers in that game, uh, and that pretty much was that pretty much led to their downfall. I don't think with 16 with less than 16, well, significantly less than 16. If they had less turnovers than the Hawks did, they probably could have won the game. They also shot 60 percent from the free throw line. The Hawks shot 10 less attempts from the free throw line than Philly and made one less. So a lot more efficient for Atlanta, uh, 18% better to be exact in that game five. Even though Joel Embiid did have a good game, he had 37 points on 12 of 20 shooting and Seth Curry had 36 points on 13 of 19 shooting. In the end, it doesn't matter because Ben Simmons went 4 of 14 from the line. And Joel Embiid even missed a few uh, in the fourth quarter. And that's pretty much what ended it. And also, they let Trey Young get to the free throw line 19 times in the game. 
So, Game 5, I think, was really the reason why Philly lost this series. Pivotal, yeah. Uh, if, without Game 5, I mean, it's simple. They If they win Game 6, the series is over. They win the series in six games if they had won Game 5. Um, which means that you could throw Game 7 out of the window. I also think that part of the reason why uh, they lost Game 7 is just because the free throw bugs really couldn't get out of their heads. Uh, ben Simmons was one, went 1-for-2 one uh, at the line in the crucial stretch of the game uh, right at the end. Joel Embiid overall in the night shot 7-for-10 and missed a few in the first quarter, uh, first and second quarter, I should say, that were probably pretty easy. And again, they got, they. I mean, I, I would argue, I'm not going to go into this too much because it's kind of pointless, but I would argue that Atlanta had some had some good calls that they got from the refs, but at the same time, they did outshoot Philly from the line, which is kind of crazy considering that uh, they Philly says Ben Simmons is their point guard. If you have a six ten point guard, you should probably get to the line more than the team with the five eleven point guard and the six eight center. But that's a di- <laughs> that's a different conversation. That's a lot about aggression uh, and how they play overall. But look, uh, Philly Philly really did lose this series. Yes. Um, if I if I had to say did Atlanta win or did Philly lose, I would definitely say Philly lost this series. They had many opportunities in Game Seven. I mean, you you can think of them because it's so fresh in our heads. Uh, they missed so many open layups. They messed up so many transition buckets. They had a four on two fast break, and Joel Embiid somehow got a charge off the ball. Uh, they they messed up so many different things. Ben Simmons today. passed up a dunk to throw a pass to a to Matisse a teammate who, who, then, missed. who then missed one of two from the free throw line after getting fouled. Dwight Howard got an unnecessary flagrant. There there were a lot of mistakes made by the 76ers, and also I think 16 turnovers to be yeah 17 turnovers to be exact. Again, uh, if they had capitalized on Atlanta's turnovers better, they probably would have won. They probably would have won the game. As I said, they messed up a four on two fast break. They messed up some others. Uh, and overall, I just think Philly really did lose this game and lose the series for themselves. I think they really were in a good enough position to win the series, and they just didn't go out there and do it. Yeah, Game 5 we talked was pivotal, obviously. Uh, but it also, not only did it mean they would have to try to win in 7, it also gave, I think, Atlanta the confidence that they could win in Philly's building. They won 3 out of 4 games. They won 3 games there this series. Um, they only won 1 game on their home court. Uh, and the other thing is, I just, I don't, didn't see anybody on this team besides Joel Embiid that they could lean on. I, you mentioned Seth Curry's great game in Game Five, even though they lost. But tonight it seems like, seven, sorry, was, Game Seven last night. He was a on defense. So. Yeah, it seemed like yeah. as soon as he came into the lineup, maybe three minutes left in the game, three and a half minutes, that the tide turned and Atlanta just steamrolled them. So. Well, I will just say. Um, Let's just let's put it this way: as Michigan fans, we know Kevin Herter and his game very well, and I will just say uh, he he's definitely improved a lot. But uh, you got to have somebody who's able to guard Kevin Herter uh, in the fourth quarter of a game seven. Yeah, did he? What do you have? Twenty seven uh, points yeah, or something? Yeah, he actually outscored Trey Young um, on on less shots. He had twenty seven points, seven rebounds, three assists on ten of eighteen shooting, uh, and two of four from three. While Trey Young had 21, 10, and 3 on 5 of 23 shooting and 2 of 11 from 3. I will also say, it's actually a common theme in the East, uh, if somebody is shooting that badly in the game, the other team should win the game regardless of what they were doing. Somebody on the other team, can't. you can't let somebody on the other team shoot 20 shots, shoot lower than 25%, 
and still lose the game to them. That 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 cannot happen. Yeah, and I don't want to bag on too many people, but um, I mean, you said it, Kevin Herter. You he, he'd walk past us on the street, we wouldn't know who he was. That's we think he was some high school basketball player. Oh, there's a tall kid. Well, you might know, but most people wouldn't. <laughs> uh, the other thing I won't. I don't. One last thing, but Seth Curry. Um, not only did it seem like when he came in, Herter went nuts. On you and when we were watching the game last night, you commented on uh, the key deep three. Trey Young had yeah. hit anything all game. A yeah. key deep three. Why don't you talk about what happened on that play? With yeah, Seth Curry? On, on 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 a key deep three at the very end of the game, I believe it put the Hawks up by four when they were up by one. It was a like twenty nine uh, points. Seth Curry was guarding. Uh, was guarding whoever was screening Ben Simmons to try to get Ben Simmons off of Trey Young. And Seth Curry, while running through the screen, actually screened Ben Simmons off of Trey Young. And Trey Young had at least three or four feet of separation to shoot a 29-footer. And look, we all know that even on a 5-for-23 night, if you give him four feet to shoot the ball, it doesn't matter who, who, who has the arms guarding him um, from that far away, he's going to make it. Uh, it's just... It's just it's just gonna happen. You cannot leave him that open. Even even getting that down to two feet can make that a hard shot to make. But for Trey from that range, if you have nobody on him, I mean that you you're not gonna stop him from making that shot. Uh, but I would also like to add the fact that a lot of I mean a lot of people have talked about this. A lot of players this this postseason have gotten exposed for not being well-rounded players in their overall game. And you talked about Ben Simmons, ben Simmons. passing up a dunk. Uh, he really has shown a lot of flaws in his offensive game, and, and almost the same as what happened to Giannis against Toronto. Uh, Atlanta kind of proved that if you just wall up, you can really make him a non-factor in half-court offense. He was basically non he was non-existent on offense, and then he's a detriment uh, if he has if he if he has the ball in his hands in the final two minutes, and he's a detriment if he's on the, if he's on the court the before the final two minutes. Him, yeah. Yeah, and, and just... they had to, and again, in Game Six, even though they did win, they had to take him out of the game, even though he was their key part of their uh, defensive game plan, because Atlanta was was intentionally fouling him yeah. and sending him to the line, and they knew that if they were going to keep doing that, it doesn't matter how well they defend, they were eventually going to lose out on the trade out of points. You can't have you can't have your best defensive player unable unable to play in the la- in the last seven minutes of a game because he can't shoot free throws. It just can't happen. Yeah, and I would I would say that uh, this series proved with Joel Embiid he wasn't one hundred percent healthy. So I was going to say, you need more than just one great player. One great player can't carry a team, but that's not necessarily true as we get to the rest of these series. But let's hold off a bit. And, and also, last thing is, uh, it, it 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 reflects a lot when you know that Tobias Harris had to shoot twenty four shots this game, only made eight of them, and Ben Simmons all game shot four shots, less than yeah. Matisse Thybulle and Furkan Korkmaz. Furkan Korkmaz. Yeah, well, so you watch our not, language. We got to watch our language. You should not shoot less shots than either of those guys if you're a franchise cornerstone piece, yeah. an all star, whatever you want to call him. Just, just can't happen. Be interesting to see if anything happens with him in the offseason. All right, you want to move on to the Nets versus the Bucks? Yes. Move on. In the Nets versus the Bucks, we had the Bucks winning in seven games. Uh, maybe, by the way, kind of a bridge between these two. Maybe. The Philadelphia 76ers should have traded Ben Simmons for James Harden, and maybe his shooting might have helped them a little bit. Uh, but that's a different subject. That's, a, that's an entirely different can of worms that I'm not going to open up right now. Uh, but yeah, in this game, you had in this game seven, you had Milwaukee uh, reigning over the Brooklyn Nets, something that I really did not think was going to happen. Again, I said if there was one game 
that I would feel really secure about going into the weekend with my predictions, it was the Nets beating Milwaukee in a Game 7. And the reason why was because I thought uh, you could definitely trust Kevin Durant to absolutely go off, and that would be enough. And, by the way, he set a Game 7 record. And, and let me just mention, by the way, uh, the guy who set the record beforehand was Luka Doncic in Game 7, before, literally earlier this year, actually last round, uh, was scoring 46 for, for the Mavericks in a loss effort. to the Clippers in Game 7. For the most points in a Game 7 ever, Kevin Durant just set the record after Luka Doncic set it in a losing effort. Uh, just goes to show you, this game is not built around one superstar anymore. You have to have multiple guys firing on all cylinders to get to get for, to move forward at all. Uh, it doesn't matter if it, if you have a few role players playing well. It, it, it truly just doesn't matter. You need to have your entire team playing well. And uh, really, uh, Milwaukee for the first half of this game, they they didn't. Uh, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday were both two of eleven from the floor at the half. Although Chris Middleton did clean that up in the second half and ended up 9-for-26, which overall doesn't look great, but when you consider that he was 2-for-11 to start the game, 7-for-15 in the second half for a guy who shoots a lot of threes like him, not too bad. Uh, and again, Drew Holiday actually matched Trey Young's stat line with 5-of-23 shooting, only making two threes. But in the end, I think two of those baskets came in overtime, which is probably more important yes. than the other shots, in the same way that Trey Young... Had two had ten points in the fourth quarter out of the twenty that he had, uh, and that or twenty one that he had, and in the end, look, if you want to if you want to pick a moment to show up, that's a good moment to show up, uh, and the Nets just chose the worst moment of all to just fade. Uh, overall, Kevin Durant played way too many minutes. Uh, I forget who, but there was an analyst. I think it was Reggie Miller who actually posted on Twitter after Game Five. After the minutes that Kevin Durant just played, should the Nets consider resting James Harden and Kevin Durant in Game 6 and putting all your chips forward to the center of the table for Game 7? And honestly, looking back on it, they might have won the series if they had done that. He was right, because Kevin Durant was gassed once we got to overtime. Absolutely just exhausted. Uh, couldn't do any, leaving everything short. He couldn't. made Giannis playing 50 minutes in a 53-minute game look like he was look like he was rested and energetic. Uh, I would also like to mention that the Bucks had nine points from their bench in the entire game. They had three players play a single minute. Uh, Pat Connaughton played 23. He had all nine points off the bench. Uh, Thanasis Antetokounmpo played one minute. And Bryn Forbes played five minutes off the bench. And that was it. And also Connaughton only really played a lot because P.J. Tucker fouled out of the game. I believe in the first minute of overtime, but was also in foul trouble for most of the game uh, after trash-talking Wanda Durant. Um, and look, Milwaukee really surprised me with winning this game. I did not see that coming, especially when Brooklyn had the lead at the half. Uh, although you could have said, look, they have Giannis is playing well, but the other two, are, but Middleton and Holiday are 2-for-11 at the half. They're going to clean it up, and they're going to win. But at the same time, you had Durant just looking like he was unstoppable, and you know he's not coming out of the game at all. So there's no point where you can make a run without KD on the floor because he's always on the floor. And same as James Harden. But again, James Harden was 2-for-12 from the three-point line and 5-of-17 from the floor. And overall, Kevin Durant needed some other help, and the Nets had literally not a single point from their bench. 
Yeah, well, by the way, Harden banked in a lucky shot for one of those shots, too. So that is, that is It was good. not even intentional. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant was about half an inch on both feet away from having one of the greatest, most memorable Game 7 shot, game-winning shots in NBA history. What turned out to be the game-tying shot, but both of his feet were on the line. It would have been a three-pointer. He sent it to overtime. It would have been a three-pointer. And then it, you, you thought uh, in that overtime that um, the Nets were going to win because Milwaukee couldn't make a bucket. But I think the Nets scored two points. They scored the first two points of overtime. I don't think they scored the rest of the overtime. It was really, really ugly there, overtime. There were, there were not. There were not it was like a three-minute stretch. I think I don't think um, I don't think Milwaukee scored for like the first three minutes of overtime. I don't believe either team scored for a very long was, time in that overtime. It, it yeah. was a really, really ugly overtime with Milwaukee pouring it on late. Middleton hitting the key go-ahead shot. I think um, in that game, and Kevin Durant left it all on the floor in regulation. I think I hadn't seen that Reggie Miller tweet. He's right. He, he had and maybe even just he rested. They just need to rest Durant. Because I'm not that, sure. That is, that is true. I'm not sure James Harden really would have done much. He was out there on one leg. But um, congratulations to Milwaukee. I mean, Giannis gets the monkey off his back. Well, they, they got the monkey off their back getting out of that first round. Um, entertaining series. And I know we're going to rank the teams later. Um, but but it looks like Milwaukee has a pretty clear path to the NBA Finals. Uh, and I would also like to add in that uh, we've been talking for a long time about how this team will fare, and should Giannis stay. And uh, this year is a testament to the fact that sometimes, even in this super team era, loyalty does pay off. Uh, I would bet you that Damian Lillard would laugh at you right in your face if you said that to him. But <laughs> but Giannis is smiling somewhere in Milwaukee, knowing that staying in Milwaukee did end up paying off. Because, by the way, you want to look at it, some other possible destinations people talked about, the Lakers are out of the playoffs. They beat the Heat in the first round. You can name any team that has been rumored to be a Giannis destination before he signed his extension, and they're all out of the playoffs. Well, but hold on. Had he been on them, it would have been a different lineup for those uh, teams. It would have been a different lineup, but they also would have given up other pieces in the okay, meantime. True. And in the end, probably the Nets might even end up better because they'd be playing against a lower quality of team. Uh, and, and look, Milwaukee was... Again, Milwaukee made the trades before... Uh, the trade to get Drew Holiday before they made the signing with Giannis, so they would have still had half of their team. That, again, there's a lot of different dominoes that would have fallen into place uh, in different ways, but I'm just saying it, it's great to see that that has paid off for someone because, and, and frankly, the league is probably happy about it because small market teams doing better is always better for the NBA because in the long run, bigger market teams are going to get players regardless. Uh, so small market teams need to have success otherwise so that they can actually keep this interesting. And you're not just seeing the Lakers and the Celtics in the finals every single year like you did in the 90s. <laughs> Good. Well, do we have anything else to say about the East before we move on to the West? Uh, I think this, this Bucks-Hawks series uh, could be very exciting. But at the same time, I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be cautious about it because there is a real chance that Milwaukee... I, I really think when you're talking about these two teams... Milwaukee and Atlanta both have incredible potential to just easily burn out and, and lose this series uh, very, very easily to the other team. They also both have incredible potentials, and they also both have the ability to play super, super well. They could do it on a game-by-game -game basis. They could do it on a series basis. These, I wouldn't call these teams inconsistent because, after all, they've won two playoff series, and you don't do that by being inconsistent. But if you look at some of Milwaukee's performances against the Nets and compare them to their dominance over the Heat in the first round, 
there were clearly some games where Milwaukee did not play very well. Uh, and again, there were some games where the Hawks didn't play very well when you compare it to some of their games against the Knicks. And I just think that overall, I'm really hoping for this to be entertaining. And I think most of my caution comes from, uh, I don't know, maybe Denver uh, being swept by Phoenix and the fact that we've had some really not close series. And I also hope that these two teams who have stayed relatively healthy don't suffer any injuries because that has been the one thing that's really kind of ruined this postseason. Yeah. Uh, but these teams have been probably the two healthiest throughout it. Uh, the teams in the Western Conference Finals, not so much. But I'm really, really excited for this series. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see who wins it. And, and no matter what, we're getting a team that is in the finals uh, from actually either end uh, of either the East or the West that don't make the finals very often. Yep. Well, speaking of uh, injury-impacted teams, let's move to the West. Yep. The Clippers win Game 4, Game 5, and Game 6. All without Kawhi Leonard. Actually, Game 5 game five and on without Kawhi Leonard, I should say. Uh, they had Kawhi Leonard until the very last bit of Game 4. Uh, but I really want to spotlight two players for the Clippers for the overall series. And then obviously there's the one hero in Game 7, who we all know what I'm going to say. Uh, but game, game 6. Yes, in Game 6. Uh, Reggie Jackson was absolutely essential to be this good in this series for the Clippers to win. He needed to be great because in reality, without Kawhi Leonard, you're asking Paul George to carry a huge amount of the scoring. And if it's not going to be him, there's not many other options you can go to. And look, Reggie Jackson scored four points in 29 minutes uh, in the game, in, in game four where Kawhi was still playing and the, and the Clippers tied the series up at two to two. But Marcus Morris pitched in on 24 and Kawhi and Paul George both scored 30. Uh, in the rest of the series, you had Reggie Jackson scoring so much, helping this team clutch baskets. Uh, in Game 5 in Utah, he had 22 on 8 of 15 shooting. Marcus Morris also had 25, and Paul George pitched in with 37. I say pitched in. Uh, carried the team <laughs> with 37 points and 16 rebounds. And then in Game 6, you also had monster performances this time out of Terrence Mann, but also Reggie Jackson scored 27 points and Paul George scored 28, uh, as Terrence Mann scored 39 on 15 of 21 shooting and 7 of 10 from 3. Uh, but look, the Clippers really did find a way without their best players, without their best player, I should say, uh, to win the series, and it was honestly astonishing. I thought when Kawhi went down that they were going to lose the series, uh, but then as you can see by my weekend predictions history, uh, after Game 5, I had confidence enough in them that I picked them to beat the Jets uh, in Game 6 because I really saw that they had found out a way to play without him. And I actually think the reason or, or how they found out to play without him, it was exploiting Rudy Gobert, uh, who, frankly, you've got a lot of people calling for his head as a, as a defensive player of the year for this year because... Rudy could not get out to guard the perimeter at all. Uh, and the Clippers just absolutely exploited that from the three-point line. Uh, and that really was the defining factor in the series. In Game 4, they shot 40.5% from the three-point line. In Game 5, they shot 40% from the three-point line. And in Game 6, they shot 51.3% they shot from the three-point line. And I cannot tell you how many different times Terrence Mann got the ball in the corner 
realized that Rudy Gobert was the one supposed to, yep. the, who was supposed to be covering him, took five seconds to set up his shot, measured and it, aligned it, shot. checked his feet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really, I think there had to be some adaptation there. And I've talked to people in casual conversations about what happened when the Rockets were playing small ball against the Lakers last year in the bubble. The Lakers entirely took JaVale and Dwight Howard out of the lineup entirely. Dwight Howard, I don't think, played a single minute in the final game of that series. And they just played Anthony Davis at the five, and they said, we don't care who's been great for us on defense, who's our great rebounders. We have to counter what the other team is doing with what we got. And they said, let's put AD at the five, and let's let him guard their five, who's not really a five, it was P.J. Tucker, actually. Uh, and I just think Utah needed to figure out something to do, N- not necessarily that drastic, but... Look, they had to do something. It just didn't work. Although they thought, uh, Game 6, that it was working. They were way up in Game 6. The Clippers had a huge comeback. They had, And, and I don't know whether it was Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley ran out of gas, maybe, um, in that game. Both, you know, one coming back from injury, the other has been back, but they weren't sure whether he was going to play. Um, I do want to steal somebody's line that I thought was great. Now, this goes back a ways. Uh, for those old, those of us who are old-timers who remember baseball in the 1970s and 80s, there was a famous Reggie Jackson who was known as Mr. October because of his base, prolific baseball post-game performances. And one of the NBA announcers said, uh, this Reggie Jackson is... postseason, not post-game. Yeah, sorry, yes, yes, it's postseason, sorry. Um, uh, one announcer said, uh, this Reggie Jackson is Mr. June uh, just because of how he's, he was lighting it up in the series, and they're right, so... I wanted to. I wish I knew what announcer it was, but uh, he's been Mr. June. Let's see if he can continue to be Mr. June, and then maybe Mr. July. And I also will mention that uh, if you look at this shot chart for the third quarter from the Clippers, uh, there's a lot of dots outside the three-point line. If dots mean makes, uh, there. Are, if you look at the third and the fourth quarter, there are just so, they're everywhere on the floor. Uh, there's at least six corner threes in the fourth quarter. Well, that's how I got back in the game, and, was and the three-point I was just going to say, that's exactly what I was mentioning with Rudy Gobert, how I was saying they had to figure something else out. Uh, I don't think he should have... He, he can play significant minutes, but I don't think 42 minutes for him uh, is, the right, is the right thing. And I think that, in the end, as crazy as it sounds, his defense was the thing that slowed them down. All right, anything else before we move on to what happened to the Clippers in their next game? Nope. All right, well, Clippers obviously... One game six, clinched that series, moved on to uh, play a well-rested uh, Phoenix Suns team who swept their opening series. Yeah, game one of the conference finals, Patrick. Semifinals. Semifinal yeah. series, sorry. Uh, well, well-rested, but even without injuries and without and without any games played, still not 100% because Chris Paul was in virus protocols and was not able to play this game, although Kawhi Leonard also didn't play so you could say this was a pretty even uh, even playing field for these two teams uh, as the Clippers were missing their former final, finals MVP and the Suns were missing their MVP candidate from this year. Uh, but, look, this game was a pretty fun game to watch, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I loved watching this game. Uh, it was very back and forth, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, but in the end, Devin Booker's 40-point triple-double, which I which just... It's just insane that he's doing that at this age. Um, it, it propelled him to the win. Uh, DeAndre Ayton was 10 of 14 from the floor. Cameron Payne was 5 of 10. Jay Crowder was 5 of 10. Mikhail Bridges was 6 of 11. Booker was 15 of 29 with 40 points, 11 assists, and 13 rebounds. And when they're going to, if, if Phoenix is going to shoot that efficiently, it's going to be really hard to beat them. Uh, it doesn't matter, I don't think, who's playing them. If they are playing that well, 
I don't think you can stop Phoenix if they have 40-point triple-double Devin Booker and everybody else in the starting lineup shooting above 50% from the floor, especially because a lot of those guys shoot a majority of three-point shots. Uh, and they they are just, they're a deep team, uh, and they just, they go, they really, they go eight deep, and all of those guys com, uh, compete for them, and they play well. And that's even without Chris Paul. They can be better when Chris Paul is in. They, they are a lot better when Chris Paul is in. And look, they're going to shoot this officially without their floor general. What happens when he comes back? Yeah, well, we, uh, I don't know. Is, have we heard word? On when he might be coming back, we don't know what. The I don't protocol. think there's a. There's no a official announcement on no. the COVID protocols, no. and no. I think it was strange. I think he's uh, he had his first vaccine, but he didn't have his second. Um, strange, but uh, it is the COVID protocols. Well, anyway, so Phoenix takes Game One of the Western Conference Finals, one twenty to one fourteen. We of course will be digging into to the rest of the series. Further thoughts on Game One? And also going back to what I was talking about earlier with small market teams that you got to be happy about. LA is obviously not a small market, but the Clippers have not made uh, well past the Western Conference semifinals in 50 years of franchise history. Uh, so you always like when the league get, gets more competitive teams. And also Phoenix, that they they have not been very successful in a long time. Actually, ended one of the longest postseason droughts in the NBA uh, this season. And here you are, you end a postseason drought. And now you're just three games away from the NBA Finals. Yeah, I think uh, the only team that that's left that has actually won a championship is Milwaukee. So um, I don't. Atlanta, I think, has only made the conference finals once. Phoenix twice. Uh, twice. twice. Atlanta did. Yes, the only other time was in uh, 2015, where they promptly got swept by the LeBron James Cavaliers. I was talking about previously. So previously once. Oh yes, previously. Previously yeah. once, and Phoenix has made it before, but they haven't won. And the Clippers, as you just said, never even gotten to the conference finals. Yeah. So it is. It's going to be. It's nice to see some fresh faces. Uh, not necessarily small market teams uh, on the West. Phoenix, one of the largest cities in the country. Clippers, I guess, could be a small market team. Their, uh, their market is the non-Laker fans in Los Angeles. Right, which isn't many people. Uh, and also, again, bad history of a franchise, pretty much cursed franchise. But also, let's see if Chris Paul can get revenge on the Clippers. I mean, they finally made it where he was supposed to take them for so long as he makes it to where he's been supposed to be. So long. It's kind of funny that they meet each other. Yeah. Well, you got you got uh, former players in the West, and then you got former coaches uh, in the East with Budenholzer, who used to coach the Hawks, uh, now the head coach of the Bucks, going against his former team against an interim coach, and maybe that's a topic for another time. Um, I know you want to take a look at the four remaining teams. Um, what do you What do you want to talk about there? Uh, I wanted to rank the four remaining teams, and uh, I think it's I think it's good to have our opinions known on this because we're not doing uh, predictions for the series because they started at offset times. But I'm going to go ahead and say, I think, in terms of chances to win the title, I'm going to say Brooklyn has the best... Or Brooklyn, actually. Wrong. Milwaukee <laughs> has the best chance. I mean, whoever won that series has the best chance, I, I was always thinking. Um, but Milwaukee has the best chance to me right now. I think the Suns are really, really close second, and I mostly think that because I picked against them twice and I'm not going to make that mistake again. Uh, I think the Clippers are at third just because... If I had to choose between Trey Young and Kawhi Leonard, I, I think I'm easily going to choose Kawhi Leonard. And even if you go down the roster, I'm definitely this postseason picking Paul George over Bogdan Bogdanovich. No offense to my to my uh, to the former Kings to the former Kings sharpshooter, but uh, look, the Hawks they're 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 definitely they definitely have the least uh, the least chance of making it. Uh, not only because of the lack of home court advantage, but they're a young team. Uh, and they're playing against a hungry, hungry, hungry 
two-time MVP and vet, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he is on a mission this year. And I don't think that the Hawks have what it takes to stop him because, frankly, Joel Embiid was able to shoot pretty efficiently in the series. Giannis is really hard to stop. Well, so if you're ranking likelihood to win, I, I, I'm going to rank which I, who I think is the best team. I think it's Phoenix. Then I think Milwaukee. Then the Clippers. Then Atlanta. But if you're ranking likelihood to win, because you, you might have to you, say the Bucks. Well, you can't win if you don't Bucks. get to the conference finals, and so they have the the highest likelihood the, the NBA finals. You can't win unless you win the conference finals. They have the highest likelihood to win that series. But right, I'll stick the with the Clippers and the Suns are very evenly yeah, they're very evenly yeah. matched yeah. both teams, and, and either of those teams that they get through is going to be a match for Milwaukee. I'll I'll go Phoenix, Milwaukee, Clippers again. This is without any further injuries to any team and right. and I'm even saying maybe yeah without Chris Paul I think hope I'm gauging that Chris Paul is going to be back if they make it to the finals that he'll be back for the finals I will also say that I I'm 100% sure that Chris Paul will be back before Kawhi Leonard is back uh if you're talking about if Kawhi comes back if at you're all. talking about injuries and, and and problems shrouded in mystery I would assume that COVID protocols take a lot less time to come back from than a mysterious knee injury with a guy who has a history of, uh, we'll say, injury management on not playing games with a knee injury. So. All right, well, let's move to our final topic, which is another installment of Random Assorted Important News. This one, a very quick news rundown. I'm just going to run through some very important things that, uh, well, some of, them, some of them very important, some of them not so important. Uh, John Rahm, congratulations for winning the U.S. Open. He obviously, or not maybe obviously to some of you guys out there, uh, but... He had a six-shot lead at the Memorial two weeks ago, uh, and after his third round, or going into the fourth round, the last round, he had a six-shot lead, and it was notified that he tested positive for COVID, could not finish the round. Uh, And look, he bounced back this week with a passion and ended up winning the U.S. Open, which I would argue he would definitely trade a U.S. Open uh, win for a Memorial uh, win. Uh, And that's the first little bit of news. The second thing is, the Tampa Bay Rays are calling up the top prospect in all of baseball, Wander Franco, on Tuesday to play his first career game. Actually, they announced that with a little poster and graphic via social media, this time not through a reporter, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and in Olympics news, uh, a Ugandan Olympian, I think that we that has been uh, reported to be a coach, who was actually vaccinated with the AstraZeneca virus, has tested positive and was denied entry to Japan. He's the first He's the first member of a team, or he or she actually, I don't think they've actually identified who it is, but um, the person is the first athlete to test positive uh, as there's uh, more than 70% of Japan who think that the Olympics should not be held. So surely that will stir up even more controversy there uh, as the games are only about five weeks away at this point. Definitely excited to see the Olympics, and if any other news comes up with the Olympics, we'll definitely be talking about it soon. I know there's been a lot of trials going on in the Olympics, too, right now. Uh, and the last thing, on an even more somber note, the, the Arizona Diamondbacks have lost 17 games in a row. And I would just like to point out, before this week starts, because it could happen before our next podcast, uh, the record is tw- for in the modern era for the longest losing streak is 23 games. Uh, they... Obviously, as I just said, have lost 17 in a row. In the next three games, they play the NL Central leading 40-32 and 32 Milwaukee Brewers. Then they play at the San Diego Padres, who will just be coming off a series against the Dodgers. And maybe 
Uh, quite frankly, if the way if the Dodgers keep up how they're playing, probably a series loss against the Dodgers. Uh, so good luck against an angry San Diego team that's looking to make up ground in their division. Then they play, and and then the, which if they lost every single game in both those series, they would tie that record. Uh, then they play at St. Louis, who is currently on a losing streak and definitely looking at a small little team that they can beat up and bully to get back on the right track. And if they lose one of the, and if they lose the first game against Seattle or, or St. Louis, they will have set the record for the longest losing streak in modern day MLB. And then they play against the Giants, who lead the NLS and who have swept them twice. On their losing streak. I'm going to go out on a limb here. So their next three games are at home, and then they go on the road to play San Diego. For six games. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say they're going to win at least one of those six games. And I'm going to predict they win a game at San Diego. So they might even win two games because they have, what is this, 26-game road losing streak or something insane like that? Yes. Something's got to happen. I mean, today they almost, I mean, yesterday against the Dodgers, they almost pulled out a fluke. A fluke win. They were down what nine to one, and they they scored six runs. Well, I but I, 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 they're not gonna. I, I, they're gonna win a game. I don't think I agree with you that they might have to win a game, but I actually think at this point it's probably more likely that they win a road game before they win uh, a game, uh, and at that point, you yeah you you break up the losing streak. But this this losing streak could get to yeah. twenty two before it ends. The Padres haven't performed. Possible. The Padres haven't performed well after they played the Dodgers this year. They've had letdowns in their series. That's why I'm thinking Arizona wins a game. But they break that road road losing streak. They break through against the Padres. The hobbled Padres. Tatis is hurt. We don't know for how long. But the, well, the Diamondbacks are pathetic. We agree on that. Uh, and and I'll just say if you can't pitch from your starters and you can't pitch from your bullpen and you also can't hit, I, I, it's really hard to pick you in a game against uh, a team who has the best starters ERA or against a team who's who's contending for a division and is pretty balanced overall. And frankly, the Brewers pitch really, really well. I don't know who they're drawing in their pitching matchups, but if they're playing against their 1-2, they have no chance of beating Corbin Burns or Brendan Woodruff. So and 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 as, as if things couldn't get worse, the the Diamondbacks lost one of their starters yesterday. Broke his wrist. Got hit by yeah. a pitch. Walker uh, this past weekend. Walker Bueller hit one of their players. I don't know their players' names because they're all minor leaguers. But um, <laughs> in any event, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's that. That's ugly news. Uh, yeah, I think that um, that the record is held by the modern record is held by the nineteen sixty one Philadelphia Phillies. They lost twenty three in a row. While we're talking about records for, for futility, um, if the Diamondbacks should lose one more game, they will be tied for 16th in the history of Major League Baseball. Um, that includes not, not just the modern era, but only including the modern era. They would be tied for 14th longest losing streak in history at 18 games. And the next sort of recent, the, the most uh, recent team to be that futile, uh, sorry, 19 games, would was the Kansas City Royals for 2005. So... They're going to be in some pretty stinky elite company if they keep uh, if they keep losing. Stinky like elite company. Never heard that one before. Yeah, well, I like to make things up. All right, well, that wraps up this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Uh, please join us for our next podcast, which will be on Friday, June 25th, where we will talk about Major League Baseball and other significant events in the world of sports. Maybe those other significant events will include more talk about the uh, historic 
losing streak by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, by the so, way, I do hope that they win. I, I I'm not I'm not wishing I'm not praying for their downfall, but I may be foreshadowing that it could happen, and I don't want to not cover it before it does happen. <laughs> exactly. Well, in the meantime, check out Patrick's additional content, including tomorrow's NBA power rankings update, his picks for next weekend's games, his Major League Baseball power rankings updates, which will have the Arizona Diamondbacks at the top, which are posted every Saturday on our website. 4thand24.com. I was kidding. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.